Hello and welcome to the new episode of SupplyCast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today I've got with me Glenn Hodgson from GS1. Hi Glenn. Hi Bruce, it's great to be here and thanks very much for having me. That's, that's, that's terribly, terribly kind of you to say so, Glenn. Um, so I guess, first of all, I mean, I don't want to teach listeners to suck eggs and that. Most people know what you guys do. But just in case there is a, a couple of people, you know, fishing around out there that don't. First of all, can you tell me a little bit about uh, GS1? I know they're in a lot of industries, but GS1 in healthcare, obviously. Super. So GS1 is a not-for-profit organisation and globally there's about 115 GS1s all around around the world and you know us basically for the humble barcode that sits on your can of beans or can of coke and it always pings up and says this is a can of coke and a can of beans. Mm. Um, that, that's it. In the UK we've got over 50 odd thousand members now. We've grown rapidly in the last two or three years and that's because probably what many people don't know is that if you're buying off Amazon and eBay actually we're this sort of secret source that makes sure that when you're searching for something it comes up uh, mm. as the same thing so, so that sort of improved our growth and what we do in healthcare is we kind of help the NHS save uh, thousands of lives and millions of pounds and how do we do that well it's it's quite simple it's through the unambiguously unique identification of every person every product and every place so if you can identify those things where the person is either the patient or the caregiver the product might be a medicine or it might even be a an asset for example and the place where did it happen you can actually tell who did what to whom, where, with what and when, which is pretty fundamental to uh, what goes on inside the NHS, that sort of traceability piece. And once you do that, you've then got that great thing of you're improving patient safety, you're helping to um, sort of reduce unwarranted clinical variation, and then there's the money bit, you know, you're becoming much more operationally efficient. So that's what we kind of do in healthcare. And many listeners will know us probably from the scan for safety program mm-hmm. um i can't resist myself um i guess what you're doing in healthcare for a lot of people would amount to more than a tin of beans <laughs> oh, <laughs> i'm good. sorry i apologize it just stuck in my head um <laughs> glenn you where do we start i think first of all tell me a little bit about your role at gs fund and then we'll go into scan for safety which is certainly a vital part of um, uh, uh, the, your involvement in healthcare. Um, what, what is your role at GS1? So I, I head up our healthcare operation for GS1 UK, and I also sit on our global leadership team for healthcare uh, internationally. And we have a small small team working in healthcare to support um, supplier, um, solution provider, and trust mm-hmm. adoption of, of GS1 standards. I've been at GS1 now for six and a bit years. Um, and prior to that, I'd had a, a career in um, pharma and medical device industries, uh, both with uh, operational and commercial roles. Great. Now, um, Scan for Safety, you brought it up. Um, it's something that I know a little bit about from talking to people. In particular, I did an earlier supply cast with Tracy Crammond. 
-hmm. And Tracy Crammond is is now, um, you know, very um, closely working with the HCSA and part of her role at the HCSA and the work she does with the HCSA is around um, pushing scan for safety and the use of it. It's something that she's very passionate about, which I'm sure you're you're aware of. I can, mm -hmm. I can see you smiling. Um, can you tell me a little bit about scan for safety, where it is, whereabouts take up of it is, and where you're hoping that might get to? Yeah, that's a good, a good, a good kind of question. So uh, about a year ago, in fact. Uh, 13 months ago, we issued the Scan for Safety report. Um, it's incredible. It continues to get um, multiple downloads um, every every single week, um, which is really phenomenal and successful for that. Uh, but what the Scan for Safety originally was, was a Department of Health and Social Care program where they funded six demonstrator sites uh, from ar around, around England to prove the benefits of GS1 standards, um, and the findings for this was just was just phenomenal. Um, in that the time, you know, the time uh, to recover the investment was was very very short. There was one-off savings and continual savings, plus also ridiculously across the six trusts some four hundred thousand hours um, return to care, plus also the patient safety benefits of um, yeah helping clinicians not to make uh, wrong decisions. Um, that's how it started. Happily, on top of that, there, there have been a number, many number of trusts in England that have um, looked at Scan for Safety and created their own programmes. And some of these, well, they will have been self-funded. And some of these are mentioned actually in that Scan for Safety report, which is downloadable very easily from our, from our website. Um, but the great thing about it is now sort of come the ge generic, it's a generic term for GS1 standards adoption. And mm -hmm. so by our calculations now, there are somewhere just north of 50% of the trusts in England that are currently operating some form of scan for safety program. All trusts in England are members of GS1 UK in it, 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 funded through um, NHS Digital. But the great news is it's expanding beyond, beyond England, beyond probably what we thought. So um, it's in recent months, there have been scan for safety programs start in Canada. There's some work going on in Australia. Um, there is some amazing stuff just started with Norway. Hungary is another great one because Hungarian uh, um, system is very similar to ours. And the one that gives me most pleasure at the moment is they're starting one in Japan, uh, which is really great. Um, but closer to home, uh, we at GS1 UK have now um, five-year agreements with all, all four home nations. Um, so we are starting to see progress in Northern Ireland. There is a national um, program, funded program in Wales, um, which is sort of jointly funded by the, the Welsh Government and the health boards in there and Scotland are also um, working their way through a, um, a program business case now for national scan for safety adoption, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, and both Wales and Scotland have actually put in national inventory management systems and that will be, uh, be really useful um, for supporting GS1 adoption uh, going forward. Um, and I think 
that's what sort of happened on the ground. Why has it sort of happened? Why has it taken off um, in the last 12 months or so? And I think a lot of that has been, Bruce, we can put down to a couple of things that are happening. One was the Cumberledge report that came out, First Do No Harm, last July, uh, where there was, that sort of came in at the same time as the government was bringing through a new um, medicines and medical devices bill through through the parliament. And, and kind of there was a lot of discussion, particularly in the House of Lords, about patient safety and, and scan for safety was mentioned several times there. Um, and through what's happening then through the regulation that was regular, uh, the legislation that was passed and that we're now looking at forthcoming regulation for both medicines and medical devices. And also thanks to um, Julia Cumbridge's report, NHS Digital creating this UK wide um, called MDIS medical device information system. And that will hold information on all implants. It's starting off um, with, with pop suey implants, but it, it's gonna hold information on all implantable devices. And that information that it'll hold will be patient information, clinician information, consultant information, which, which operating theater, which hospital, both private or NHS, and obviously patient data and outcomes. So some really good things that are protecting, protecting patients and delivering better care and better outcomes. Um, and you know, the term for that is sort of kind of scan for safety as as picked up and doing that through GS1 standards is the obvious way to do it. Do you have any goals for um, uh, for take up of it? Do you set yourself those sorts of goals? So we do we do set we do we do set goals and we are we currently have well we have a national adoption dashboard so we are monitoring the take up um, quarterly and we do this it's self reported by trust and we have a, a user group Bruce which is called the healthcare GS one healthcare user group snappily titled um, and that's chaired uh, by um, a chap from NHS I and E um, and it, representatives there sit on our user group from across the whole of the healthcare industry. And we also have representatives from around, I think it's about 54, 55 trusts now um, are represented on that through chairs of the uh, regional adoption group. So it's a good way for us to A, monitor progress and B, support progress through how-to guides and providing as a, um, a a kind of user group provides information on how best to do to implement and what to do and what were the lessons learned it's almost like how-to guides mm -hmm. it's almost like franchise guys here's you here you go this is what you need to do here's a here's an outline business case for you to fill out so that you can get money from your board here are the tools about how you go about it so that people aren't sort of starting with a blank sheet of paper because sometimes it sounds that there's just so much you could do. You've got to actually focus on what are the core bits that you need to do first. What are the core things that enable you to achieve these? So, what's your current business need, and how can how can GS1 standards support it? Uh, I guess we're about eighteen months now since uh, the pandemic started mm. in this country. I guess we're coming up to that. Um, what? What's that been like from your point of view, from the GS1 in healthcare? 
what were the what were, what were the peculiar uh, challenges that, that brought about for for you guys there? So I, th- I think I think it's quite interesting in that Bruce, what we found um, was the pandemic shone a massive light on what happens if you don't use standardization um, because it the the thing that was very critical for um for the pandemic and covid around products was actually how can you protect the integrity of the supply chain so at one level that's a bit about your vaccine and PPE and then there's in that you've got anti-counterfeiting serialization quality control um and there's also a piece about chain of custody and chain of custody is really important right where has a product been who's had it and where where's it been where's it going um and I kind of think there's sort of strategically and operationally things that the pandemic has shown us uh, from a strategic basis, we learned that we don't have a national inventory management system. In fact, none of the four nations did. So it was very, very hard to know what products did we have where. Mm-hmm. Slight difference in medicines, because the medicines uh, operate this thing called the DMD, which is the Dictionary of Medicines and Devices. Um, and through using those GS1 identifiers and also using clever bit of equipment in at the center through the, 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 the chief sort of um, hospital pharmacist for England, a guy called Andrew Davis was actually able to know in near real, real, real time what medicines he had where in the country. Um, so there's very little, you, you didn't hear in the papers about stock shortages. And he was able to do that through the traceability of GS1 standards. Clearly, what you compare and contrast that with PPE coming in, nobody knowing what they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, um, trying to do uh, fit tests on, on FFP3 masks and then having to do them the next day because the next lot of masks were a different supplier. Um, I think from a kind of strategic and then product place that was so important to it showed it showed the weakness of the system you know we've got 1.6 million pallets of PPE but we don't really know what we've got and whether it's fit for purpose and where it should go um and, and I think what has to be shouted out here is massive um kudos to all those involved in procurement and supply chain on the ground in 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 hospitals and in the community suppliers that in the supply chain and procurement departments were working you know 24 7 and phenomenal real unsung heroes of of the pandemic to ensure that staff were kept safe and that patients were able to get products where they needed it um so i think there's that bit but then i think there's what came clear talking to some clinicians and, and medical directors uh, kind of after the first wave was the opportunities that they found. So there's a bit of a rush into asset management. So when you've got pieces of equipment and the obvious ones will be ventilators and things that used in ICU. So the questions are, came up then that were very, that needed to be answered uh, with some certainty were, what do we have? 
Where is it? Where's it been even? Who's used it? And on whom was it used? And trying to find this, and in what condition, when was it last clean? When was it last serviced? Has it got the right um, software in? This just became a whole industry in many, many hospitals. And now through um, RFID, asset tracking, use of GS1 standards, that the, there are some amazing things done. You just literally walk by these ICU rooms. You only have to go in and you know exactly what's in that, that room, what assets you've got in there and in what state there are. So I think that's, that's kind of phenomenal. That was one thing that came up. The other one was around patient tracking. So how can we track our patients to know where they've been? You know, it's not just simply the red zone and the green zone, but actually, you know, if somebody, we talk of, um, you know, hospital acquired COVID, you know, we can find out where that patient has been. If they entered the hospital when they were negative, where have they been somewhere along the line that they've got, they've managed sadly to be um, contracted COVID whilst in, in, in the hospital. So I think they're, they're the sort of bits that have, um, have kind of impacted us through the pandemic. Uh, you, you mentioned it there, the work of becuming people in healthcare, and obviously we'd be right behind your, your words there. Uh, worth perhaps just putting a little reminder that August 27th is the cutoff point for people to nominate for the HCSA Awards this year. And um, I'm sure, Glenn, you'd endorse the idea that, as with last year, this year is just as important to make sure those people are getting recognised Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I think, you know, the biggest learn for the NHS system, or is that the biggest, one of the biggest learns certainly for the NHS system through the last couple of years has been how procurement and supply chain has been seen as important um, by the centre. Um, yeah. And, and you know, the, the bit you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And, and I think we could probably agree it's been underinvested in in recent years over a significant period of time. And I think the importance of that the function and the the the, the work that the members of the HCSA do has now been put onto a a very, very important, important level. Yeah. Okay, and obviously those awards will be our conference in November, which is going to be face-to-face -face again. A sign Back in that, Harrogate, right? Back yes. in Harrogate, Bruce. Yeah, um, face -to -face. Betty's, Betty's for breakfast. <laughs> and um, I suppose it's a, another sign of things getting back to that dreadful phrase, new normal. Um, how, how positive are you? I mean, do you feel that, do you feel things getting back to normal? Do you feel that push? How do you feel about that? Obviously, there's concerns, third waves, uh, winter, that sort of thing. But I think that's, that's how you feeling so, there? I think I think we're, we're all coming to the realization, aren't we? Uh, every one of us that what was a pandemic is now an endemic. So mm -hmm. we're going to learn to live with it. Yeah. Um, and you know, on a personal note, it's great to be getting out again and visiting hospitals and and meeting people and and kind of seeing what great stuff is being done out there so that's that's nice you know there's only it's nice to meet people face to face again it's going to be great that conferences are reopening and say the HCSA one in November is a good one that you know of course and it's good to do this because it's lovely to meet people on on zoom and teams but you miss all the um the non-verbal communication sure. uh, and you actually miss the 
the insight that you gain when you're sort of kind of just chatting somebody with a coffee or just walking to and from an elevator. Yeah, right? so I, I, I think those sort of interactions we're all desperate to get back to. So mm. I think we'll soon see um, you know, good good attendance at places, and it'd be great to meet people again and and catch up. Um, I, I think that's that's really really incredible, um, and we need to do that because there's a lot of work to do. Uh, I mean, we've got if you look at the NHS in England specifically, we're looking at um, you know the the sort of normalization of the ICSs and the formalization of those, um, you know, much more collaborative working between trusts. We've got PTOM coming down the, the, the tracks as well. Um, and I think there's just a lot of a lot of opportunity there. And of course, you know, in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, well, Northern Ireland will have uh, its epic installation and Northern Ireland, sorry, Scotland and Wales, you know, we're working to um, GS1 standards implementation there. So it'll be actually great to go and go and see and meet meet these these folk folk doing it. But I think it's really, really important that we have and, and HCSA has a big role to play in this, which is the sustainability and the education and development um, of the profession of mm -hmm. supply chain and procurement personnel. Um, yeah. You know, if people didn't think it was important, they, they now for sure know how important it is. Yeah, indeed, and that's why the, the HSA is investing heavily in that learning and development, et cetera, for the next generation. Uh, Glenn, I think we've kind of, we've, we've come on through the uh, professional stuff that we're talking to you about here. So we're gonna go on to, not that it's unprofessional, but it's a little bit of fun we like to have at the end of the podcast, which we call Desert Island Supplies. If you're familiar with this podcast, you know, this is where we ask, if you're on a desert island, what would be the one luxury item you would take? What would be the one album or album from an artist? You don't necessarily have to name the specific album if you don't wish to. And what, what film would you take? And, to, you know, just to, just to entertain you, as we always say, there's plenty of food and water. It's a very, you know, so it's a lush, vegetative island so don't worry about that side of things so the first thing luxury item glenn so luxury item this, I, I was gonna say those that know me will probably be able to guess the next two quite 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 easily but okay. the luxury the luxury item i i was i was giving some thought about this and the one that mm. i've chosen is um is basically i would i would take um the complete works of charles schultz Right. So yeah. that's the peanuts. Can't peanuts, you? yeah. I, Snoopy, I'm a massive, yeah. massive, massive, massive fan. And there's so many. As as a kid in the 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 seventies, I I learned an awful lot of life lessons through the uh, through Charlie Brown and Snoopy's mm. antics. Um, and I learned some history as well uh, through that. Uh, so and and I still find myself when I've got time, if I'm on holiday or I'm not feeling terrible, I'll just go and pick out. Pick up one of the books and uh, and read through some of their 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 cartoons and it just yeah. it always never fails to bring a smile on my face. So that would be my luxury item. Thank you. Brother. And it, it's great how it how it endures, isn't it? I know that certainly uh, in my household we always watch the um, Halloween, the Great Pumpkin. Is it the yeah. something of the Great Pumpkin or Charlie Brown the Great Pumpkin? Yeah. Um, the uh, Halloween. It's great how those things get 
but they're passed on and I watch it with my family at Absolutely. that time time of year. Also, another thing I always liked about the uh, the Peanuts Charlie Brown Snoopy cartoon was um, the way when I was a kid, I, it, it really spoke to me the way that they presented the teachers in the classrooms voices as being sort of mon monotone things that you couldn't really make out words of. <laughs> that sort of rang true to me at the time. That, that sort of wah, 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 sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, all noise. It's all noise. It's, it's yeah. all noise. It's all noise. That's all. They it is, presented yeah. it from the uh, from fr from the perspective of the of the five year old, which I think was just it's I just phenomenal. Yeah, sounds sort of unique at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh, excellent, excellent luxury item. I think. Um, what would music be? What would be so the album? So that's a tough one. Um, mm. and it's kind of I was thinking about maybe uh, the Sex Pistols, but actually, no, uh, I've got to, got to stay true to myself and it's going to be uh, London Calling from The Clash. From The Clash. Okay, brilliant. Uh, but yeah. Two bands, just mentioned two bands that that I love dearly, so I'd be on board with you with, with, with either of those choices. Um, London Calling by The Clash, outstanding. And what would be the, what film would you take in there? Okay, so that's again another, another nice one. My my favorite my favorite movie of all time um, is Breakfast at Tiffany's. Perfect. So unbelievably, that film was made in 1961, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but the storyline of it um, and the um, yeah, it sort of was it's iconic of the 60s and it was there before, before the 60s happened if, if you like because it was released yeah. in 61 and and it's got the, the you know i mean watching audrey hepburn is it's just you know it's just one of the easiest things in the world to do i mean she's a fabulous actress and i just love the whole idea of this you know the aspirational side of that and, and the characters in it and some of it is slightly dated now and you wouldn't do it that way but the actual core theme of the movie is is just brilliant and perfect for desert island because there's a, there is an escapist large escapist element to that isn't it taking you back to a certain time it seems to be a, bit of a time capsule for that mm -hmm. early 60s period doesn't it yeah I mean, you've got all the you've got the architecture you've got the clouds you've, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the the cars you've got the, the wonderful tiffany store you've mm -hmm. got um You've got uh, Moon River being being sung, um, you know, which yeah. was actually written written for Audrey Hepburn because she can't sing, so or she couldn't <laughs> sing, so they they kind of created that. Uh, yeah, Henry Mancini wrote that specifically for her, and it's yeah. one of you know the most iconic songs of all time. Brilliant. Well, I love those choices, Glenn. Thank you very much for joining me on this uh, episode of supply cast it's been great and thank you for finding the time i know you're very busy uh, it's an absolute absolute pleasure bruce it's absolute pleasure and thank you for inviting me and it's uh, looking forward to seeing the hcsa and its members soon in person can't wait up in can't wait uh, really looking forward november to november, november. It will come, it will in harrogate yeah it, it will, will come, come very quickly. quickly indeed yeah okay. it will okay thanks for that Glenn. thank you so uh, much Thank you for joining me on this episode of Supplycast and I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye.